Hello and welcome to the Vickers Watch Dibley. The podcast where three priests link our stories to those of the Reverend Geraldine Granger and other TV Vickers. I'm, I'm Jenny. And I'm Ruthie. This episode we're talking about the episode Handsome Stranger, which is where we finally meet Harry, who turns out to be the love of Geraldine's life, spoiler alert, and we talk about meat cutes and uh, all the things going on in the village and the, the delicious person who is Harry. Everybody, oh, it's so wonderful to be recording Hi. today. I'm really excited. I won't let on where we're quite excited yet. But how are we all doing? Very good. Yeah, I've had an interesting week. <laughs> it's been challenging in some ways, but I've got a good my nails done, so I feel a fancy Ooh. lady. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, but otherwise, there's been lots to love this week. Uh, apart from some downers that haven't been great I'm uh, away at my in-laws at the moment which is lovely and uh, my sister-in-law is here with her son who is only 10-11 weeks old so he's all small and snuggly Mm. and cold and squishy Um, and I also went and saw my brother and sister-in-law this week uh, and his uh, their son so I've had a lot of time with my nephews and my son's had a chance to play with them and it's been good cousin time so that has been wonderful That's how about you Jenny really? yeah things are good it's definitely wedding season for me so um, yeah I've been loving loads of weddings confetti basically everywhere although yeah. something that um, really made me smile today was that I was um, putting into my new digital diary, trying to upgrade myself for the 21st century, um, some important <laughs> anniversary dates. And I thought, oh, I'll put in my anniversary uh, ordination date. But I couldn't remember exactly the date in 2016. So I uh, wrestled back through my photos on my phone to find the date. And the day before, the night before I was ordained, I took a selfie of me watching the Vicar of Dibley, probably to send to someone with like this massive cup of tea. Then I was watching the Vicar of Dibley preparing for this. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, that's really cute. And it made me just smile and think how life is funny and comes full circle. So wedding fever and Vicar of Dibley fever. This episode today as well brings back so many memories for me, which I'll hopefully be able to share a few of you with, a few of them with you. Which episode were you watching? Can you remember? Oh, oh, what well, on? No, I can't tell. It's a still of Geraldine in this particularly, like, it's like a blue floral dress. I'll send it to you later, see if you can discern. <gasps> oh, yeah. It could be a challenge for be us. A, yeah. A little competition. Yeah. Cutie. Very How about you, Kate? What have you been loving this week? Well, for you, it's wedding season. For me, June is funeral oh. season, apparently. <laughs> Um, literally in June, just at the moment, and my goodness, I hope this does not expand. I have four burials of ashes and one funeral. Um, just in June. That's usually so, just my week. God bless you. And like, also, um, I have a a burial of ashes on my birthday, oh. and I've already done baptism on my birthday. So, a way I'm thinking about it is all I've got to do now is do a wedding on my birthday. And, You've got like, the three. 
I'll have the three. Um, but actually, what I've been loving is yesterday we had um, a quiet day. So in my deanery chapter, we try, if there's ever a fifth Tuesday in the month, we try to say that's our quiet day. So yesterday morning, because today's Wednesday, yesterday morning, I led Teze prayers um, for my colleagues. And it was really lovely using the order of service for daily prayer from um, Teze themselves. Um, lots of singing and then a pilgrim who was walking our pilgrimage route popped in which was really lovely Um, and then I spent the rest of the day walking Millie and she was really happy in the churchyard and also doing some vision mission um, planning and mapping I've got this really big cork board in my dining room now just kind of playing around with pieces of paper and, and all my ideas on pieces of paper and kind of adding order so that's something I've been doing the, the cork board in your room looks slightly like you know that mm. meme about the conspiracy theory with the guy <laughs> yeah, who's, yeah. who's pointing at stuff and all the like red red yeah. string between different things that's what your cork board that. looks yeah, like yeah the, the the, the old version of, of my mission board had lots of um, pieces of string connecting um, ideas together. I've reorganised um, because it was fantastic, but it was very chaotic. My new one is a little bit more old. Okay, old. looks less like a conspiracy theory on a board. Yeah, less like a conspiracy theory <laughs> so board. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, let's press on with what we're going to do today with all those happy thoughts in mind. I think it's fair to say that we've all been waiting for this episode Literally from the beginning of this podcast, am I right? Yeah, okay, okay. (laughs) Something about happy ending that these babes just love. Today we are looking at season four, episode three, Handsome Stranger. Um, And it's it's the one where we meet the delicious Harry... We're going to unpack the episode in its entirety. Um, But just set the scene for us, Ruthie, about where we find ourselves, because we've had a look at a couple of episodes of season four already, right? So these next two episodes called uh, Handsome Stranger and The Vicar in White were like a little mini, mini series. And it comes uh, a while after the last episodes, kind of chronologically, um, apart from the... Uh, comic relief ones so last time that we kind of seen vicar dibley was the merry christmas and happy new year episodes Mm -hmm. which uh, the merry christmas one is where she gets very drunk at midnight mass and the happy new year is the speed dating uh, episode so we're coming from that and meeting a handsome stranger in the end but as always we start in the parish council and we're hearing from jim who has appeared on a tv show that was very big when this came out which was uh, deal or no deal deal or no deal <laughs> I, don't I couldn't remember either deal which or is no deal. which the title of which is just built for jim isn't it to have a gag around oh, absolutely so and the gag is about uh, if you've never watched it Fair enough, uh, but you have to decide whether you want your box and you either say deal or no deal and there's a, a cash amount in the box. And so, of course, Jim with his no, 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 no's uh, says no, no, no deal and ends up with 10p as opposed to a million quid. Yeah, and you can see the gag building and building and building because it was hosted by someone called Noel Edmonds. So we get <laughs> no, 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 Edmonds. And uh, this is the introduction to the episodes, and then we start to hear a bit yeah. about what's been going on in village life since we were last in Dibley, and it appears it's become more of a commuter village, and there's been a lot of 
newcomers and Geraldine isn't particularly happy about this. It's a very typical and kind of in conversation at the time that this episode was released was that people who lived and worked in London were buying houses um, in the country, um, in the countryside, in, in villages, and they would barely spend any time in these houses, but they would use them as escapes, really, from London. Um, so the, the conversation really was around that um, village communities were dying because there weren't act- actually many active residents in these villages. Yeah. Um, and so you see it in, if you read even like romance novels from that um, time period as well, there's lots of these stories about, you know, oh, a handsome stranger has moved into one of these houses in the village and no one's seen him before and he suddenly turns yeah. up. Um, I have one such story. <laughs> it's not quite the same though. I have a house near one of my churches, which owned by people in London and I never see and I desperately want to meet not because I have some strangers but because he's um going he, he's a retired priest oh. and, and or he will be retiring it's a home he will retire oh, to great. um and I desperately want him to move <laughs> what so you could have an extra <laughs> pair of hands for Sundays so I can have an extra an extra an extra pair of hands Excellent. um so in my role um, as a rural pioneer priest, um, I have a particular mission stream focused, which is looking at welcoming newcomers to our communities and to our churches. I think potentially the conversations are slightly different. So whereas in our Vicar of Dibley episode, we're looking at what I would call um, weekend country houses for people who work in London, um, I think what we see more, at least where I am, is it's more commuter housing. So people who are um, working in Hereford, um, and but they live out in the village. So they are still in kind of near enough that they're coming back every night and they're spending their weekends and their free time in the village. But they are new to the village and they aren't part of the village culture. They don't necessarily know, some of them don't even know that there's a pub or there's a church or a post office. Um, And the challenge is how do we help these people who are moving into our villages feel like part of our village community, but also how do we help the long-time residents of our villages um, cope with the changing shape of our village community? Um, so it's it's similar but different conversations to what Geraldine is having in this episode. Yeah, because they then talk in the parish council, don't they, about mm. there's nothing going on anymore. And so yeah. uh, Geraldine says that she's starting an art class and a book club. And then mm. Hugo comes up with the suggestion that, well, with all this activity going on, let's do a parish newspaper. Yeah. Do you have a parish mm. newspaper, Jenny? We have a newsletter, which we do, we do in-house every month, usually just like a double side of A4. We used to have a full-on magazine, um, but mm. unfortunately, after about 50 years, actually, we had to end it just because we didn't have people coming through. But we've got a very popular parish magazine, so the the mm. church gets to put its kind of updates, services, events in there. But yeah, our newsletter has really kicked off in the last year, probably. Mm. Keeps everyone up to date with mm. things that are happening, and I put in a little... Like a little paragraph from me on something jolly I've managed to concoct, and uh, but yeah, people get to share insights and stuff. It's quite cool. 
What was your last article on then, Jen? Well, actually, I cheated. So my last <gasps> article was for, for the king. So I talked about coronation oh. and the role of the church. But the one for June, so my sort of cheat one, was I asked my curate who's coming to us in June uh, to write a little piece for it instead. So, oh, I, uh, perfect. Yeah, I got to pass yeah. the baton this time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you have something similar, Kate? Um, I have something. It is a huge huge production i think it's kind of another level um so for our parish magazine isn't really it's actually it's a local magazine for not just my benefits but the next door benefits and a few other villages as well so actually a really lot a kind of like half deanery oh. maybe um and it is full of community updates things that are happening um kind of I I am really lucky that I get to start the magazine off. I get high profile. We have our service times and then I write something every month. At the moment, I'm working through the Lord's Prayer, kind of line by line, oh. reflecting on what that means. Kind of Because I was, I was starting to get... Uh, last year, I did loads of seasonal stuff and I thought, I can't, I can't talk about... They, they'll get sick if I talk about the changing seasons again. <laughs> so, um, actually, really just serendipitously... Um, coronation coincided with the section i was writing about thy kingdom come oh, there you so go. um that was really cool and uh yeah so it goes out not to every resident we don't have as high a readership as i, I think we could have i think we really need to work out a way for it to go to all of our new residents as well but it can be bought in the post offices in the garage it can be bought in all of our villages it gets delivered as well ah. and it's not just a it's not just a church activity yeah. it's actually produced outside of the church um by a group of other people and it's yeah it's fantastic and one thing i was reflecting on as we we're watching this episode is the role of the parish newsletter or parish magazine whatever you or local magazine whatever you want to call it and its importance in more rural communities for communicating what is happening mm. and think of things that things that you can get involved with like from this newsletter i picked up a local veg box i can sign up for um and a community choir i think there's a there's a fine line here isn't there between it just being paper and a bit rubbish and it goes immediately in the recycling and mm. perhaps sometimes this stuff needs to go online. And again, depending on your community, that just thinking about the kind of local link papers and things like that that I've had through the message, mm. uh, through the letterbox, and quite often they've just gone in the recycling. I've not mm. read them, and yeah, been I think through those battles. It is true. They really do appeal to people. I think at particular stages and seasons of life. And although hopefully, yeah. like we are big magazine is is posted for free through everyone's door but um people have commented to me before oh yeah yeah we will yeah like say oh it's in barton today blah 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 and they say oh yeah we just, just go in the recycling bin and it's like oh it's such a shame i wonder if one of the differences is whether or not it's free or paid for because ours you have to subscribe to it and it, it's literally like five pounds a year it's not breaking the bank yeah. but i wonder if perhaps the act of having to pay for Ooh, it kind of buy into it a bit, I suppose. Means you're less likely to just throw it in a recycling. Yeah. So, dear listener, do you receive a newsletter? Do you mm. receive a parish magazine? Let us know. 
<laughs> and so the parish magazine is decided upon. Uh, different roles are given out, and Jim is happy to be Agony Aunt so long as he gets to wear a dress yeah, <laughs> or a frock. Um, and David's keen to write the obituaries for people, which is a bit sinister. Um, but before the meeting ends, they talk about how they get out a bottle of champagne, don't they? Because Ooh. Geraldine has done a hundred weddings in her time there. And so they decide to celebrate. And how many uh, weddings do we think we've done then? Probably. Not a hundred. No. Now, I have done, I think, um, one, two, three... Four weddings and a wedding blessing. Um, I have two weddings booked for this year and four for next year. Denny, you seem to be the queen of weddings. How many weddings well, do you think? Well, I'm a weirdo, nerd, slash, I don't know if I'm just obsessed with myself, but ever since Curacy, I've kept a little record of every single wedding, funeral and baptism I've done. Like, I don't know why. Oh, just everyone, lovely. the names, the dates, where we were. I don't know why. I just wondered if I... Don't know, maybe I just like record keeping. Um, but yeah, so when I when David pulled out the champagne, I was like, oh my goodness, that must mean that David has a really close eye on the registers, which quite excited me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nowhere, I was like, oh, imagine having someone that knew your ministry so much that they would bother to count up what you'd done. And I was like, that's lovely. Anyway, so I went through my own registers and counted up what I'd done. Um, twenty, I did 22 weddings as of yesterday. Wow. So I've done, hopefully done, I think I've done 30 by the end of the year, which is quite exciting. Yeah, you should be getting your bottle Ooh. of champagne a lot quicker than uh, Geraldine does, I well, think. Well, you never know, eh? You're yeah. cracking through them. Yeah. Love, love a wedding. And actually, kind of on keeping a note of things, I saw something that someone was doing where every Monday, Thursday, I think it was, or maybe it was every Tuesday in Holy Week, they sat down with a notebook and wrote down everyone they'd baptised, everyone they'd married, everyone they'd buried. And I really liked that Ooh. as an activity and I might try to do it because then they obviously they prayed for them as well in, in doing that. But Geraldine's a bit upset by this revelation, isn't she, that it's been a hundred <sighs> weddings because she realises it's been a hundred times that she's been the vicar and she's never been the bride of the beautiful white dress. Do you know what? I, before I got married myself, I came back to the scene time and time again and like would yeah. sort of joke about it and use it. And I, I think it's very funny, but I also think it's really memorable. And yeah, I, I do love this scene in a way. Um, yeah. yeah but, a... but definitely resonate with it as well. Mm. Yes, yeah, same. There's a lot of this yeah. episode where I'm like, oh, that's how I felt. Yeah. And I have I have a confession to make. I, I think I may have talked before about how the day I got ordained that evening, I watched a Vicar of Dibley episode and it made me cry Aww. because it was an, oh, oh no, like like it was a moment of actually kind of fear and, and as being quite sad. And I usually claim that it's the very first episode and, and that parish council scene where she's being told yeah. off, you know, being sent away. It was actually this episode was it? Um, because I suddenly had a moment of, I was and I still am single, and I had a moment of, oh, this isn't, I'm always going to be the vicar, never the bride. Um, I've kind of moved past, moved past that emotion now, but... Yeah. Is a, power, is a powerful, like, when you think about it, I think we can joke about, well, I'm wearing a white dress. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yes. 
and you know i'm i'm center stage in this service as well but you're not you are there to try and be in the background yeah, on the foreground and yeah always the vicar never the bride um poor geraldine that that is so painful yeah for her. and after a hundred as well like I think, yeah, and it's something that she has tried, she has obviously wanted and, you know, the previous episodes in this sort of ilk of the Vicar of Dibley have all been about her searching for someone. We've seen her fall in and fall out of love, try on, get rejected, you know, maybe be proposed to and it not worked out. So we know that it's like, ah, oh, it's mm. tough for her. And actually, I have to say, thinking about what you've shared, Kate, like when I talk to women, you know, about uh, young women, especially who are exploring vocation I think one of their big questions concerns and like the things that they want to talk around often is well what about marriage and family life like has it been done like what do you know about it how, how does it work um which is kind of sad mm. that it's not just a given that of course that will be the case but I guess in the world of work generally actually there's not a lot of space for women to have a family and also to continue in their careers let alone when your life is your vocation it's a very public ministry it's all hours of the day and night uh, it looks very different and yeah so it's interesting it comes up it, a lot it's definitely yeah it's definitely one of the biggest anxieties i think that young young people exploring course to ordination mm-hmm. have about getting ordained you know will how will this affect my romantic yeah. prospects yeah. Um, if that's important to you, then it's go- always going to be an important question. But um, I distinctly remember when I first started hearing a call to ordination, I was 16-ish, and I remember saying, I don't want to be like the Vicar of Dibley because no one will ever marry me. Oh. And that is something, and that's something I've, I've coped with, I've moved on from, I've grown, I've matured, I've whatever. But at that time, it was a really, mm. a really severe concern for me. Yeah. But what's lovely about this episode is it's optimistic, actually. Yeah. It it gives... And, and in many ways, and we'll get to this, I think, later, but Harry is very, very close to all of our hearts because, in a way, he is the hope for a husband. Yeah. Or, or was the hope for a husband for many of us who struggled with the idea of being a single bigot. Well, well that's... Yeah, what mm. goes on in this episode, and I think I watched mm. this when I was thinking about ordination and I've said before about the first meeting that I had when I was 17 the lady said Mm. to me you do realize you'll never get married or have children which Mm. is quite a brutal hit for that and and so this was the kind of episode that held on to hope for me of going maybe I'll have a meet cute like Geraldine has Mm. with Harry and I mean Geraldine's in in her um middle-aged age I was going to say middle ages. Uh, Geraldine is middle aged by the time she gets to this episode and she gets meets the handsome stranger. Can I just chip in though? Before she meets the handsome stranger, in this scene, Owen says, I'll marry you, Dolly Knockers. So actually, before we get to that place, can we just, should we just take a moment of thanks for Owen? Because I think that line is an absolute belter and I love him. It's great. Yeah. And she has had many in a proposal in this. Wow, indeed. Yeah. Um, that's what you wanted to bring up. I was going to share um, something a little bit sweeter. I I still occasionally have little fantasies that a handsome stranger will move into. Mate, my oh, village. yeah. Go for it. Um, just, Absolutely. You know, um, just just occasionally I, I um, 
I give in to that little fantasy, but, you know, it's, it's also not something that you can healthily hang on to. Yeah. And this whole episode, there are lots of kind of callbacks to different uh, mm. episodes and previous romantic encounters and, and moments, so we'll, we'll be hinting at those later on. So we go from the parish council mm. to the vicarage, and a blesser, Alice, is there, and she comes in from the kitchen saying, I've been reading that fantastic new book of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> to which Geraldine's eyes and eyebrows go up and it's it's the Da Vinci Code. And do you remember the Da Vinci Code coming out and everyone going, oh, this is the thing that trumps all things in the Bible? I don't and you're really completely remember wrong this at and... all. No. I don't totally bypass this. Really? Yeah, I, I, I sort of vaguely go, oh yeah, but it doesn't really mean anything to me. People still occasionally discover it for the first time and then act like, okay, so... Here's some background. The Da Vinci Code, written by Dan Brown. It's a story about uh, finding lost clues hidden in Da Vinci paintings by the Knights Templar, which hide this big secret that um, Jesus married Mary Magdalene and had children with her and the descendants are still alive. That's a basic summary. I sound dismissive. <laughs> do you, Kate? Um, <laughs> I that up. <laughs> do, I, do I sound dismissive? Um, here's the thing. It's not... So the idea of there being an apocrypha to the Bible, because one of the things I believe that the story rests on is that there's some hidden books of the Bible which have been discovered. And there there, there are many apocryphal writings which are discovered. And by apocrypha means something which is not considered part of the canonical um, writings within the library, that is the Bible. Um... So there are some, they're called Gnostic Gospels, that's a word for you, um, which are accounts of Jesus's life, which are not the main four that we have in our can, in our canon. Um, and some of these, you know, describe different things that happen in Jesus's life. Um, and generally, if it's not in the Bible, it's because by consensus, a large group of Christians said we we don't find this a trustworthy account. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for me, a lot of this stuff, which is all there's a conspiracy of hidden knowledge, stuff that was suppressed, is for me, it's the point of those councils, um, was it the Synod of Nicaea? That yeah. um, particularly solidified the canon. Um, it's not about saying, oh, we need to hide a truth, but more... Is this trustworthy? Is it easy to understand? Because some of the Gnostic Gospels are just so wild and difficult to actually understand I mean, what they're trying to John's say. I mean, John's pretty difficult to understand a lot of the time um, anyway. But like, <laughs> even more so than John. Like, the um, Gospel of Thomas is a bit wild and wacky, I think. Um, I read some of these for a module in my undergraduate degree. And it's... Um, for me, it comes down to what what is the point like so alice in this scene she says i've been reading this and i i've worked out i think i could be i could be this the last descendant of jesus because mary was the chalice receiving receiving the genetic material of jesus um and alice rhymes with chalice um mind blown she 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 has this moment of revelation oh it must be me um (laughs) I just kind of, from from my perspective, like, what would be the point of hiding Jesus's family if he had a family? And surely, if Jesus married, that would solidify 
the kind of misogynistic male headship message that people would want like it would be something oh like like jesus being married and having children would be in line with actually kind of like a, a sense of family identity which is taught by the church for, for, so from my perspective i can't see why the church would suppress that information i just love how uh alice says about well why do you think i've had so many children <laughs> Geraldine mm. just shouts, because you don't know how condoms work. She gets quite angry. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But they... And, and I think it, it plays it well. It's like, this is just... It's just... Yeah, it's just... It's just nonsense. It's just nonsense. And Geraldine takes this rage and frustration with Alice mm. and decides to put it to good use because they're off on a, a quest to go see the mm. new townie who's arrived in the village. Mm. Uh, and Alice thinks, oh, lovely, to go and mm. welcome him into the village. And Geraldine says, no, I'm going to tell him to get involved or sod off. So they head off to Sleep Cottage. They're in the doorbell. Uh, no one answers immediately, and she's cross about that. But eventually the door opens, and hello, Harry. <laughs> and Harry in this episode is played by a chap called Richard Armitage, who I don't know if you guys have heard about or seen the new Netflix series called Obsession? No. No. Right. Because <laughs> it puts Richard Armitage in a whole new light. And I've seen a whole is it a lot rude more light? of him. It, 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 well, the premise is that uh, Richard Armitage plays a dad who falls for his son's fiance, and they have a very raunchy oh, affair. I've seen an advert for that, and I thought, Ooh. well, no, I'm just not going to no. touch that one with a bargy. I hate things like that. It makes me so sad. <laughs> Is it good though? Uh, I've not watched it. I've only seen. I've seen it via Gogglebox, and then watching oh, the kind of finale brilliant. for it and how it went. So, um, Richard Armitage mm. is it plays. You Quite see, a different character in that. Didn't realise it was him. <laughs> I was going to say my, my two other favourite Richard Armitage characters are from North yes. and South. Um, Robin and, Hood. Um, Thor- Thorin Oakenshield. Oh, oh. I, was th- I was thinking Robin Hood, but Thorin Oakenshield as well, mm. where he plays the Sheriff of Nottingham in in the TV. Series. If you if you had to, oh, he does, doesn't if he? If you had to meet him in one of the shows, which version of Richard Armitage would you guys go for? Oh, Harry. Oh, oh! Harry, Harry, just Harry is nice. He's lovely. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't want to meet Thorin. No, but North and South, life. Richard Armitage. But North and South, very nice. Oh, I've taken oh, you to a rabbit hole. I've been like, oh, I wouldn't want. To, I wouldn't want to live in that environment with the mills and no, no. Yeah. Um, also, lovely news. Richard Armitage recently came out. Oh, really? Which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's had a male partner for years. Oh. And, um, yeah, but he's he's finally came out. Uh, what I thought was really mm. sad about it is he came out in an article and he said he hadn't mentioned this because he was really worried it would affect what roles he was going to get. And I was like, that's really pants. Wow. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, Fun fact about Richard Armitage. Nice. So, uh, like us... <laughs> Alice and Geraldine uh, changed their tone very quickly as to how they were going to react to this chap as they comes to the door and they come in and oh lovely and asking about books because Harry's unpacking lots of books and what favourite books mm. might be and 
Alice talks about the mole who knew it was none of his business. Have you read this book? Uh, yes. So, as I mentioned before, I'm totally been obsessed with The Wicked Julie all my life. And actually, for my friend's birthday, I bought him this book. And then for my birthday, he bought me this book. And it's actually such a good book. So I, totally, great I totally commend story. Alice's love for it and uh, would recommend it myself. The story of the little mole who knew yeah. it was none of his business. It's actually probably on my shelf somewhere. I'm just looking around. See if I can find yeah. it later. It's very good. And Harry talks about um, how this welcome he's received of people actually coming over and knocking on his door and coming in and saying hello to him. And he talks about how having lived in the town for years and years and years, he never met his neighbours, but then he's moved to the country. And as he's unpacking, people have come yeah. over and said hello. And I just want to say how real this experience is. You know, I lived in the town for ages, ne- barely knew my neighbours, but when I moved here... Within, like, a couple of days, I'd received... Someone came around with some tomatoes, someone brought around a basket Ooh. of fruit. And, you know, people actually came to say hello to me. Maybe it's because I'm a vicar, but I think more it's because people want to meet their neighbours. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. There you go. And uh, there's a bit of a flirting going on over this talk of books <laughs> and uh, what they might love. And um, I had to research what Jill's Gymkhana was because I... I didn't actually know what the word was. I'd never oh, heard of Jim. I bought that before. book for a friend as well. Did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything vocabulary related? Be like, oh yeah, it's like a children's book about horses, isn't it? Yeah, about yeah. Show jumping and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. So funny. And, um, uh, Geraldine does a move which I have definitely done before, where she tries to. Um, assess where harry might be with maybe faith and religion and stuff like that because she says oh books are quite like the bible and he goes oh a bit far-fetched for me he goes fair enough and you hear (laughs) christian disappointment flourish throughout the land oh he's not Uh, one of us yeah (laughs) (laughs) have you done this kind of thing like not necessarily with romantic oh yeah trying to make friends and going not necessarily admitting immediately that you're a vicar but just trying to say oh, how do you feel about this god stuff and you know are you immediately not going to be my friend because of this or as an introvert i tend to be quite content with the friends i have <laughs> um i'm less likely to go out in environments where people don't already know i'm the vicar like where i live everyone knows i'm the vicar yeah. so i wouldn't do that kind of fishing in the same way uh, i was just thinking of a time where i went to a baby uh, toddler group when we moved house to yeah. where we are now and uh, I sat next to a lady and we chatted for a few weeks and then uh, I finally got uh, round to saying what I kind of did for work and she was like oh and then the next week she didn't sit next <gasps> to me again <laughs> oh that's so sad I thought no oh you lost your mama you friend. My friend but oh, but never mind. It can be a bit intimidating for people sometimes. I don't really know why. I guess it's because they think... I don't know what they think. But yeah, I think it can be off-putting, I, can't it? But. Yeah. I'm Maybe th- people think we will be for moral police. Yeah. Like, they won't be... Like, people really definitely, judging. as soon as they know you're a vicar, they start checking their language around yeah. you and policing their conversation. And they probably think you're not going to have much of a sense of humour. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, Maybe. for me, I tickle those boxes. Oh, <laughs> not true. No, just all. kidding, just kidding. I quite like, actually, is it called like subverting people's expectations? 
in yeah. terms of, you know, I don't know, random things. But I like being able to do that. And I think actually being young and ordained does really help with that. Well, being in the nail salon today, mm. yeah. everyone was talking about keeping up with the Kardashians yeah. and stuff like that. I'm like, I have very limited things that I can add to this. Mm. But the uh, the lady who did the nails has done my nails before um, because for weddings and things like that while well, we've been here. Mm. And she just immediately outed me and went, I think I know you. Mm. And I said, yeah, yeah, you've done my nails here with my mother-in-law before. And she said, oh, you're the vicar. <laughs> you just saw this. <laughs> There were three ladies at the nail bar just turned around like, what? (laughs) She knows about the Kardashians, baby. I love that. So cool. Yeah. So we leave the the flirting Harry after a very awkward encounter where Mm. uh, Alice immediately Mm. insults him and uh, uh, they go back to the vicarage and it turns out that Alice has pinched a load of stuff after Harry said it was okay, including an Ikea lamp. Now... Does yeah. everyone have this lamp in their house? Because I have one of those lamps. <laughs> I don't have it, but I'm recognising I had it. it. Sorry. <laughs> I had it, but I no longer have <gasps> it. I just thought this is a household item that everyone has, mm. this Ikea lamp at some point. Now, if it was a Poang chair, Everybody. I would guarantee that there's a Poang in every vicarage in the I, country. I do not have a Poang. I am uh, aware of Poangs and uh, yeah. my partner's quite keen to get a Poang, but I, yeah. I fit into the same bracket Poang-free well. zone. Mm. Yeah. And Alice uh, justifies her stealing stuff because saying that being a descendant of Christ, she is without sin. What on earth is she on about? Who knows? Well, it's a misunderstanding of, like, if you're without sin, when we talk about Jesus being without sin, we mean he never sinned. Whereas Alice seems to have interpreted it as being not only heritable, but also that it means that you can get (laughs) away with doing whatever you want because you're incapable incapable of sinning. Even if you're doing something naughty, it's not sin because you're a descendant of Jesus. That's how, that's Alice's line of logic um, in the real world. (laughs) 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 To be without sin means that you have never sinned. And there's a whole theological conversation around that, which we will not get into. No, let's go to an art club instead. Which is one of the things that Geraldine has set up. Mm. And for some unknown, stupid reason, like Geraldine should have known this was a bad idea. For the first art lesson, they do a life drawing class, Mm. which for those unaware, a life drawing class is a drawing of a nude model. And so all the rest of the parish council are there and are surprised uh, of, of seeing a lovely mm. lady taking off her robe in order to be drawn. Why did she think this was a good idea? Because the human body is beautiful and Geraldine yes. is pure of heart. Maybe, actually. Mm. Maybe because not, actually. I don't know. <laughs> because it's pretentious, like, proper art. Like, for it to be a proper art class, it has to be life drawing. Yeah. What really frustrates me about this scene is that there's just no conversation about etiquette. Geraldine says, this is what we're doing, and then she leaves. And that just makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, that's just not how it would really be done. Yeah. Mm. No, bad yeah. plan. I would be quite interested in going to a life drawing class. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting I wouldn't to want do. to be the one being the model, but... Um, 
Yeah, my mum's quite the artist. So I grew up with her um, kind of sketching and I think even went along to one or two mm. things where she was doing her drawing and I would be like playing around outside or whatever. But our home is actually, my family home is actually filled with like portraits and pencil sketches and charcoals of like oh, wow. naked people, which I never really questioned until like my my <laughs> partners or like my friends would come over and they'd be like, oh my God, she got loads of naked pe- drawings of people around the house. Um, which is in the lounge really, but still I never even thought about it. But actually I have done life drawing before. I have, have not you? been the model. I was drawing mm. and um, yeah, I would say it was a very, just like a, a very liberating and very beautiful experience. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. But it was also, if I'm being totally honest, for a hen party. So there was that edge that was a bit cheeky. But actually, because I was doing it with family members as well and and friends, it did actually feel just like really, actually, yeah, bodies are beautiful and we can celebrate them. And we played like some games around like drawing with our eyes, you know, blindfolded and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. and having to guide someone else and just like I don't know having the opportunity to think about the human form was yeah beautiful thing mm-hmm. but I realised in Dibley it was not the same in fact all the guys are just stunned into silence for the entire hour aren't they including Which, uh, Frank yeah yeah mm. I wonder how many naked women Frank has seen but uh, Geraldine has to leave because she realises she's forgotten the biscuits, which are an essential part of any life drawing class. Mm. And so she heads out and bumps into Harry. And uh, Harry has a little mm. chat with her and, and has heard through the grapevine that there's a woman vicar and makes, uh, well, first of all, makes some uh, rather racy comments about it before making assumptions about who she is that... He, uh, he he says that it's rather attractive, isn't it? It's like women in uniform, the crisp white exterior he, with the promise of softness <laughs> beneath. Yes, he says there's something sexy about the white collar. Oh. Um, and I think what we have is this really beautiful kind of, he's definitely flirting with Geraldine, kind of not not even knowing what she's the yeah. vicar. He's kind of saying, oh, look at me, I am a sexy yeah. being. Isn't that exciting? Um, but then he kind of pulls himself back and he says, actually, we should... He, I, I, you can almost hear his internal monologue being, oh, we, I shouldn't be kind of taught, talking raunchily about someone I've never yes. met. And then he says, um, I'm sure she's a nice plain lady with white hair and smells a bit of lavender. Yeah. Which um, I think is the assumption yeah. for a lot of women because yeah. is that that's what they look like. Yeah. <sighs> I'm feeling not great about this. Um, about Harry thinking yeah, about. I don't like liquor. this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really? no, I don't. Is is there a bit of cassock chasing? Yeah. He does disclose later that he dated someone who was going forward. Mm, didn't yeah. end well for them. Didn't end well. I, didn't end well. I remember watching this again after mm. being ordained and thinking, oh, phew, there will be some people who will find me attractive even though mm. I wear a dog collar. Mm. There's a question here, though, as well, which is when do you disclose? If someone doesn't know that you are a vicar, when do you disclose and how do you disclose? And I will admit, I've had little fantasies about suddenly revealing that I'm a vicar in various social situations <laughs> just to see people's Oop, reactions. I'm a vicar. Um, or as I call it... Um, Whipping out the dog. Woo-hoo! 
um, just, just something about wanting, I think particularly if you, people are behaving a certain way and you want them to actually, you want the reaction of, oh, we just said all of that in, in front of the vicar. Maybe I sh- we should be questioning ourselves and, and what we're yeah. saying. Um, have you ever had these little fantasies about social situations where you're just like, and by the way, I'm the vicar. No, but I have had times <laughs> where I happen to be in my dog collar and everyone's like, ah, oh, you're the vicar. And I'm like, oh yeah, hi, lol, hi. One of them was mm-hmm. when I accidentally broke the law by driving too fast <gasps> and I Jenny. wore my dog collar to my day of you've driven too fast, you've committed an offence, you need to relearn why the speed limit is in place. And I was wearing a... I'd come from something. Anyway, I was wearing a scarf and I took it off and everyone was like... Oh! And I was like, oh, right. And they were like, oh my gosh, you shouldn't be here. And so like, oh, how could you have sped in your area, you outrageous beast? But I was like, well, <laughs> do you know what? All of us are, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So actually, <laughs> here I am, babies. Oh dear! Mm. Wow. But I know what you mean. There is, yeah, I, yeah, there is that. um, I can, I know sort of what you mean, but yeah. A blessed Geraldine does try to say it, but a phone call interrupts her, and she she just stands there awkwardly while he talks to it, and he says, "Forgive me," and she's like, "I'm very good at forgiveness." And and we also have in that scene, and um, he asks her out. Oh, no, so lovely. He says, "You're the only other sane person in this yeah. village." Um, and we again, we're getting all these, we're getting these little hints that they are on a level and they have similar interests and similar reaction to things, and that he's just genuinely interested in yeah. her and getting to know her. And I'm smiling because it's, so yeah, it's just lovely. lovely. So Geraldine returns to art club and none of them have painted anything because they've been too distracted by the beautiful lady in front of them. And it's all very embarrassing, really. But we move on and Geraldine goes to get ready for her date and then they go to the local pub uh, for a date and sit there mm. all flirtatiously and it's having lovely. a lovely time. And, mm. and uh, Harry talks a bit about his dating history. Yeah, so this is when he says that he's um, previously dated an ordinand, as we would call them, someone who's training to be a vicar, but he just couldn't get past the dog collar. Yeah. Felt like God was watching mm. them. Uh, this he's bigger than me. And he's, yeah, mm. exactly. I, I think that uh, this just indicates that uh, they just definitely weren't a match then. I feel like that's False. fine, but they just weren't a yeah. match. No, because... We'll argue about this at the end. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah. but so so he they're both dancing around what they do because he also tries to test the waters about being an accountant, yes. um, which Geraldine doesn't really pick up on because she's too preoccupied with testing the waters about being a vicar. Yes. Um, so neither of them actually pick up on what's really obvious. Yeah. Um, and Geraldine sort of, and so he asks uh, Harry asks Geraldine if she's a teacher and she says. Sort of, sort of, and then Hugo appears, yeah. and she stops him before he greets. Yes, her. Hugo comes, and we nearly, he nearly reveals mm. about her being the vicar. Um, mm. what's a really lovely moment that Kate picked up is that Harry's first words to Hugo are very similar to Geraldine's first he- words mm. to Hugo, where they uh, talk about his splendid tie. That's very cute. Yeah. Uh, but then David appears later on and completely gives the game away. And 
I wonder if he's heard this conversation behind and therefore has deliberately gone in and gone, oh, hello, Vicar. I see you're meeting our Vicar. Just popping for a mm. wee, Vicar. <laughs> good night, Vicar. It's so good. <laughs> it's so great. Dave, David is beautifully protective of Geraldine yeah. in a very... Moving past and beyond that romantic interest that he had to something which is almost... Which is very family-like. Yeah. And you feel like he is trying to protect her from what happened with Simon. Yes. Um, maybe. Yeah. And the date continues and she admits mm. her, her faults. But it seems to have gone well because he walks her to the door and uh, says mm. goodbye. And, and she says, oh, what do you actually do? And he reveals that he's an accountant. And, oh, dear, they've both mm. stepped off on the wrong foot. But maybe there is a, yeah. a little something that might be might be brewing. But I think it also, the fact that he's an accountant really levels the playing field because so far all the conversation has been Geraldine's anxiety that no one will fancy her because she's a vicar. And what this brings to light, it kind of brings us all back to earth and realising there's lots of jobs that people find undesirable for different yes. reasons. And actually it's it's actually the person that's important, not their profession. Yeah. And I should have said before he reveals that he's an accountant, uh, Geraldine goes in from saying goodbye and says mm. yeah, goodbye, potential member of the congregation, which I believe we all disagree mm. on what this actually means. I thought it was a, you know, if you might quite like me and you might start coming along to Sunday services. Mm. That's what I took it as, but I think mm. you two took it differently. I took it very differently. So for me, it was... So this is before Geraldine knows that he's an accountant and I think she's still caught up in now he knows I'm the vicar all the romantic interest is destroyed. So for me, that's her saying, oh, well, it was a nice shot. Goodbye, potential. Remember the congregation. Is that how you saw it? No, I see it as playful. I Um, see it as, uh, oh, now you know I'm the vicar. There's obviously a thing here. Uh, so maybe I'll be seeing a bit more of you. And she wants to make sure of that, doesn't she? Oh, so oh. she walks in, gets down on her knees in front mm. of the portrait of Jesus and says, Lord, just in case any of this on the knees stuff actually works, please let him get a little crush on me. And then the door bangs again and it's Harry. He's returned. Mm. And he wants mm. information about... Uh, she's already said no to a kiss, but would like to know if, if uh, what the rules might be regarding... Regarding kissing. I and mean, can I just say, as a, an avid fan of Vicar of Ghibli since the beginning of time, I have lived my life by these rules and <laughs> actually really recommend them and recommend them to my friends. Whenever we're yeah. talking about, like, you know, going on dates and blah, 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 um, this is the rule that I would pass on. So the writers of this have really, you know, changed and impacted my life and uh, the people around me as well. So and I just want to give a shout out to Harry for respecting her rules because i think one of the anxieties potentially as a clergy person dating is that um you might have a different sexual ethic Mm -hmm. to your date your potential dating pool um and will someone want to date you if they realize that actually part of your own sexual ethic is that you're not gonna have sex before marriage or if you like it to wait until a certain point of commitment or whatever your sexual ethic is it and, and even within Christian dating pools, you might have different sexual ethics, whatever. I've said sexual yeah. ethic quite a lot now, so I said it again. Anyway, what's really lovely is that 
Harry is really willing. He likes her so much that he's willing to move at her speed. Yes. Yes. And he goes away again after confirming the rules. Mm. And third date is uh, definitely yes with tongues for kissing. Mm. And uh, Mm. Geraldine goes back in, points at Jesus and says, you are good. And the door knocks again. Mm. (laughs) And it's Harry. And he says, no excuse this time. Just wanted one last look. And he puts his arms on the door frame. this is where we disagree. Just so (laughs) sexy. Jenny disagrees, but it's so sexy. Jenny I like think this. it's super cringe. She goes, oh, I just needed one last look. Puts his arms on the doorway goes, ugh. And I'm like, oh, oh I'm tingling. Oh, just think of it. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. But when you describe it, Jenny, yes, that's cringe. I do think it is. Um, but it's just his his earnest interest is being displayed yeah. and not in a sleazy way like it was with Simon or yeah. any of the other male interests. Like, there's just an actual... I really like you and I just want to keep seeing you. I don't quite read that, but I like your interpretation. Like Hugo, I'm just going to stay positive to cheer things up a bit. What did he say? Earlier on in the episode, he goes, I just like saying bravo because it cheers things up a bit. So although I don't agree, (laughs) bravo. Let's just keep things positive, shall we? I do like the hand smooch, I will say. You know, Harry is a gentleman. He's not able to kiss her on the lips, but he does give her a hand a kiss on the second time he visits the vicarage, which I think is really lovely, very respectful. And then it's the third time. Is this very... Like, there's lots of Austin calls. Yeah, big time. And in fact, that's something we've picked up in previous episodes as well. Like, there seems to be a lot of Austin tropes just round and about. Like in in Alice and Hugo's romance, and like had he been in North and South by this point, North and South is not an Austin romance, but it is of a similar genre. Yeah, Geraldine is feeling very buoyant after this very successful first date, mm. and she's feeling very happy to go to the book club. And like you, Jenny, as you've revealed earlier. I bought the book on beauty by Zadie Smith because of this episode and I haven't read it I want to make this confession myself. I literally, it's on my shelf. I did exactly the same. I thought I must read it because it's on the Vicar of Dibley. Bought the book, I've never read it. I probably have read the back cover. I've definitely read the first two words on beauty. I'm very impressed by both. It turns out that the book club have not done that either. None of them have read (laughs) the book. Uh, But... Including uh, Geraldine, by the way. Including Geraldine. Oh, and she made the, the cake. cake. Why mm. should I have to read the book as well? So good. So instead they decide mm. they'll find a book that they have all read in order to discuss that. And uh, the the gag is that it sounds like a very serious discussion that they're having and talking about uh, depression and how friendship can help pull people out of depression. And it turns out that they're discussing Eeyore and his friends in Winnie the Pooh. Which, quite frankly, I would be part of a Winnie the Pooh book club. Like, love it. It's just beautiful. Oh, to be honest, I'd be part of a cake and tea yeah. club. I'm, I love books and I love reading. I probably like having to read a book for a club, though. But I, I think there's something about, about that would inside me that would just rebel. Yeah. I did too much of that in my undergraduate degree. Quick question. Favourite Winnie the Pooh character? So, I mean, I, I've disclosed to you, right, that my dad, my my family uses Winnie the Pooh characters to describe it for you. Oh, yes. Us, right? 
Um, I am, uh, I am one of Rabbit's many friends and relations called Small. Aww. Small. Um, my mum and dad are Pooh and Piglet. Um, my eldest sibling was Eeyore, and Aww. my other brother and sister are Kanga and Roo. What about you, Jenny? What's your favourite character or who would you I say think, you are? I think I'm probably a bit of a Tigger. In fact, I've got a colleague that calls me Tigger. We bounce around doing church stuff together. But right. um, when I was in primary school, I had a little tiny, like, four-inch soft squidgy piglet. And I loved that Aww. piglet so much. It had a little yellow scarf. He used to hold it wherever I went. And um, so when you, when you first asked the question, it was just bing piglet that came straight to mind so i probably am a bit of a tigger but absolutely love piglet i think i switched between tigger and eeyore (laughs) that's the joys of mental health (laughs) i could be one or the other yeah i mean all we probably all take turns with the characters don't we in different seasons and things but yeah yeah so from the book club to the art club and we've chosen a different right. location and we're going for landscapes instead of portraits mm-hmm. today. And uh, Geraldine leaves them all up there uh, to go get something else. I can't remember what it was. She just says I'll come back in 45 minutes. I think she's just letting them oh, crack right. on. She just says I'll come back. So she leaves the art club up there and uh, disappears off and they're discussing their different art techniques and then as she turns around she spies from the churchyard Harry and so does full on gymnastics to run down the hill to catch up with him and and uh, have another uh, romantic encounter she she has a very sweet moment with him holding his hand but I just need to say it feels very much like Geraldine is hosting these village community activities but she is not engaging in them or participating them in any meaningful way yes she baked the cake for a book club but she didn't read the book she wasn't planning to read the book she's hosting this art club but she isn't actually doing any of the art um she's not doing the, the whole point of these sort of activities is to spend time with people so it is actual community building i put it to you all today that geraldine is not any better than <gasps> than, the, than the townies that she's accusing of not being part of the community outrageous statement <laughs> i challenge you i won't full name you for your own privacy but i challenge you Kate, <laughs> to be a part of everything in your community and keep your sanity and your diary <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying I'm saying is she is hosting these activities yeah. ostensibly to create community engagement but she's not I think she's probably she hoping, hoping that them. Other, I was going to say normal people lol. other people from outside the church would come along I think it, she sees it as her job to lead host and to put them on which is a big commitment in and of itself um, with the hope that mm. newbies would come along now that doesn't that hasn't happened in this episode but I, I do recognise what you're saying. Like, ideally, when you pioneer something, you need to be doing it as well. But I think for her, she's, yeah. I think just running it, putting it on is, you know, I think that's an A-star level as itself. I would refute your accusation that she is no better than the townies. <laughs> My goodness. My I, heart I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But there is something about the fact that, at least for me, that she is... Yes, it's really good that she's trying to put on these activities, but she isn't really doing anything meaningful with them. Um, I think there are things she could be doing where 
she is engaging more with the activities themselves. It just feels like she is very disconnected. I wonder if that's part of the role of being a vicar in some ways, that in some places you are host and you kind of enable other people to do things, but you are still slightly out of it, whether that's Mm. right or wrong, but just because of the nature of who you are and your job, Mm. that you can engage with things so much but can't fully. So, for example, if you were in, um, say you're in a house group uh, as a vicar, so you led a house group as Mm. a vicar, which might be a place where you do Bible study and pray together and worship and do this kind of thing, you can kind of engage in the conversation or or talk about how things are for you at the moment to a point, Mm. but actually... You can't in that environment when people are like asking for prayer requests or something like that go, do you know what? I've had a nightmare with my parishioners this week. I've fallen out with my church Mm. warden and I could do a prayer about that because you've got to keep those boundaries. So I know this is slightly different because it's doing a kind of community thing, but you kind of have to put some barriers in place in Mm. some situations too. but But what you don't do is you don't necessarily say, I'm going to host a home group or a small group, invite everyone into your house, say, okay, here's the Bible passage we're going to read. I'll be back in 40 minutes, tell me what went. Like, unless it's pre-agreed that that's actually, you are letting someone else lead and you're just providing the house and the space. Like, I think for me, the issue is less that she isn't fully engaging because she could hold the art class, but she could be present and she could be walking around, commenting on people's art, giving them, or, or really clearly saying, I'll be at the back of the room, I'll be at the back of the room, like, getting the refreshments mm. together. But it's a fact that she just walks yeah. off mm. and seems to be, like, gone for 40 minutes, an hour. Um, for me, that's yeah. the issue, is that she's just not... That, that Yeah, that, that's the issue for yeah. me. I know what you mean. Yeah. And and so she disappears from this art one to, to go on a little romantic stroll with Harry. And he asks mm. a very sweet question about what would be the appropriate level of intimacy for such an occasion. Mm. And they hold hands and wander off and the whole audience goes, oh, and it's lovely. Mm. Yeah. And I think she has the warm, fuzzy feelings because we're later on. I think it might be the same day, this, actually. They're back at the vicarage. Um, well, she's just back at the vicarage. and watching Sense and Sensibility, mm. a classic film. Jane Austen film. Mm. Uh, well, classic Jane Austen book, but the film that she's watching is the Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet. Oh, yes. no, I would disagree. There's a BBC uh, adaption that I love mm. more. Because... I could watch this one on repeat. Sorry, you carry on. Oh, no, I can't stand... But Alan Rickman is Colonel mm-hmm. Brandon. Yeah, but yeah. Edward Ferrers is Hugh Grant. Yeah, he's awkward and cute. Yeah. No, he's such a wet blanket. This is like the version. only film he's in where he's totally But then lovable. isn't Edward Ferrer's a little bit of a wet blanket? Yeah, it's supposed generally... to be soft and... But... Oh, <laughs> oh we've got a new Mr. Colin. <laughs> Edward Ferrer's in this other adaption um, has got a bit more gumption. Like, he's he's okay. got a bit more kind okay. of... He talks a lot more about duty and he's not just being, like, squashed mm. by his family. He has his own moral code whereas I just Hugh Grant in this I I can't stand (sighs) Alan Rickman as Colonel Brandon yes absolutely Um, Mm -hmm. and and that's the film where Emma Thompson met her husband oh didn't know that she she married Willoughby did she yeah 
Yeah. What's his name? I did not know that. Can't That's going to change my viewing forever. Yeah. Oh, Willoughby. 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 You're such a Marianne Jennings. No, I'm not. I want to be a mixed. I don't want to be one. You're such a Marianne. So, um... She, I want to be a she, um, Geraldine has been watching Sense and Sensibility. She's been having a bit of a cry. Um, <laughs> Harry turns up and we get, yeah, indeed, we get that she goes on a very long rant about how no one would ever react the way that Emma Thompson does um, to, a propo- to, to a proposal in Sensibility. Where you do, Sense and Sensibility. Where you just go, yeah. 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 so shocked. <laughs> oh, it's so, it makes me emotional. Just um, oh, but... Uh, Yes, but, she she dokes around mm, about this and then says, mm, oh, oh, Harry, you must have been here for a reason. And Harry mm, somehow makes accounting sexy. Well, this is the start of their oh third goodness. date. So he's due to come. What I realised in this episode, this time mm, watching, mm, he is due to come over. And then when she opens the door, he's crying. He's like, oh, should I go away? And then he's like, oh, well, mm, you know, we're here for our third date. And because of that, there's mm, something very important I need to settle. I do not want oh, you to go into debt. Mm, and you're at risk of going in arrears. Yeah. And she's like, what? A debt? And it's all like, oh, very serious. What's going on? Uh, has he has he stumbled across the church accounts and all is not well? And then suddenly we realise it's one big fat chat-up line and he just wants a big snog with Tom. Yeah, I didn't think <laughs> this was pre-planned, though. I think mm. he manipulates the situation. I like to imagine him at home. He's thinking about, you know, how can I go around and see her and, and uh, meet up with her and go, oh, yeah. I'll turn up. Then it might be mm. a third date. And then... Oh, yeah. I got the impression that at this stage, he's very much just dropping in on her whenever he can in the same way that she is bumping yeah. into him whenever she can. And that he has sort of contrived, but he's carrying on their little banter of kisses and when you're allowed to kiss. And he's saying, right, well, if bumping into each other and going on a little walk counts as a date, then me just turning up can also count as a date. Therefore, and he's come up with this little little nerdy accounting pun, which I've realised just as I was reflecting on this, that two of my favourite romantic characters in comedy series are accountants. (laughs) So You've Harry from Vicar of Dibley. My my second um, favourite comedy romance accountant is Ben from Parks and Rec. And they both make these little um, comedy, these, these little accounting jokes. And um, I, obviously what I find attractive is nerdiness and um, intelligence. And, and anyway, he makes accounting sexy and the line, we wouldn't want you to go into arrears, would we? Um, Very racist. How that works, it does. <laughs> And then um, Geraldine kind of sneaks into his yeah. arms to take to it settle to her account. check the accounts. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we don't see them smooch at this point, but they, they do. They clearly have a bit of an mm. evening together. And then she yeah. um, sends him home and they have a little mm. kiss at the door. And it's very lovely. And then there's this mm. moment in this episode where it's kind of like, I think it's a passage of time. So, like, it goes to dark and then it goes light and then it's morning. And I, either it's just the next day or I wonder if it's hinting that there's a bit of a passage of time, that there's been a few weeks or something like that at that point, but it might not be. I mean, for me, it wasn't a few weeks. It was maybe a few days. Yeah. Um, there is a passage of time, but I don't think it's a significant passage of time. I think if it was a significant passage of time, we'd be given more signs such as oh, the leaves are changing yeah. colour, or his, a farmer's, um, was previously sowing some 
seed and now is mm, harvesting, yeah. or you know, or we'd see some a much clearer market. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, they're meeting mm. again, and Geraldine goes to um, sneak mm. up on Harry, and he receives a phone call, to which he answers, mm. "Hello, darling." And our hearts mm. stop and go, oh no, it's like blooming Simon again with his lass in mm. Liverpool. And, and she listens into the conversation and is very nervous and hears that this lady is coming over at three. And uh, yeah, is a bit confused about what to do. And so uh, she goes back to the vicarage and is having a bit of a chat with Alice. And mm. Alice recalls the time that she jumped into the puddles trying to impress Uncle Simon, mm. linking forward. And uh, Alice is asking about how things are going with Harry and in particular if he has parked his purple Porsche into her parking space yet. Outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> They're both wearing purple in this scene as well. Ooh, oh, there you go. A very purple scene. Purpley. It's a very purple scene. <laughs> and then Geraldine realises the time and realises it's uh, close mm. to the time that this lady is about to arrive and so she wants to disappear off but uh, unfortunately, Alice wants to come too. And Geraldine says, no, and no, and no. And then um, uh, Alice is insistent. And Geraldine says, fine, I'm going to Narnia. And essentially shoves Alice in her cupboard and just disappears off and leaves her in the cupboard going, yeah. Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> it's very funny, but very sad. Obviously, it couldn't happen in real life, but it's absolutely hilarious for Channel 4 or whatever. Mm. BBC. And then th- this transitions into another montage of into a montage of Geraldine stalking, stalking Harry, Harry and this lady spying on him, fo- yeah. following him and this beautiful lady, um, played by Kimi. Yeah, Gorsky. yeah. Um, and it's very much, or at least to me, it felt like an inverse of a montage we had with Simon, yeah. where we had this performative love montage between Geraldine and Simon. Whereas this is more Geraldine being on the outside and of watching that. and trying to assess things. Mm. I am fully convinced that the music used in this DVD version is different to the music that was played in the original. Mm. I am certain of this and I've not fact-checked it, but I will <laughs> fact-check it. But I remember <laughs> the music being very different. And as they're going on these walks and uh, these two are arm-in-arm, we uh, we disagree about whether... Oh, well, we should come back to this, shouldn't we? Mm, the next well, chunk. Let, let's, shall, shall we describe some... They're arm in arm, they're calling each other darling and love and they're holding hands and he's got his hand on her waist and um, he says something about we're going to go on a romantic walk. Yeah. And, it gets uh, the juices flowing. Yeah. 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 It just seems, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously they've scripted it, haven't it? So there's no doubt in our minds that, because all of us are going, oh, maybe, maybe she's a sister. Maybe she's a long, long, long lost friend that's just definitely a friend. Maybe she's a, an auntie or, a, a, you know. A fellow accountant. But they're, they're exactly, <laughs> but they're, it's being, it's making us absolutely sure that, yeah. that she is a love interest um, because this is not typical sibling behaviour, perhaps. I was, I was really hoping, and I thought in my main, I don't know where I had this memory, but I thought that it was going to be a dog. Like when he says, oh, I'm going to take you on a lovely <laughs> uh, Like, I, I really thought that there, there was going to be a dog that was just out of sight. And another classic moment happens in this where she's following them down a walk mm. and she spots the infamous puddle 
from mm. jumping uh, in with Simon and she wanders around it and then looks ahead and realises that Harry and the person is called Rosie uh, is coming back this way and she she can't escape, there's no way to go and she has to jump into the puddle. Brilliant. And mm. I uh, remember watching somewhere, they had to do that in one take, the jump in bit, <laughs> like there was only one chance to nail it and so they had to absolutely nail it. So good. And they did. It's a fantastic scene. So, spoiler alert, turns out they're actually siblings. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I think I spoiled it. Yeah. Um, uh, Which is... You guys think this is weird, acting as a sibling? They are a bit too close. Like, you can be close to your siblings, and you can call your siblings darling, and you can tell your siblings you love them. But there's a certain amount of body language for two adults potentially in their 40s as siblings like particularly for me it was him describing the walk as romantic and him having his hand on her waist which for me were like this is just going a little bit too far for me i have definitely walked with my brother arm in arm like my hands around their waist but i think yeah his arm has probably been on my shoulder and walk mm. like that for a while. I really so maybe want to <laughs> So maybe I don't find it uh, as weird behaviour, or maybe we're just weird as a family. No, I think that's really cute. But but there's there was a particular placement of his hand which for me the small of the back, dangerous spot. Yeah, and <laughs> and as I said, the fact that I just keep coming back to the fact that he described it as a romantic. He says, "Yeah, walk. let me come on, like, darling. Let me take you on a walk. It's so romantic here. It really gets the juices flowing. The juices flowing, which is a is an odd statement. I will admit. And all, all we can assume <laughs> is that there is some that there is some unknown." sibling banter happening here like they they <laughs> they are referencing something which to which we are not privy because all all families have their kind of internal languages yeah um, and maybe the juice is flowing and... is is an inside joke <laughs> That's yeah <laughs> and like the, the use of darling um it was really interesting for me growing up in cumbria no one ever used darling like as, as a way you would refer to each other you they'd like love Love yeah. was used in between, even in between men, but darling was really strictly romantic partners. So anytime I visited a family we had in the south, and everyone called it and everyone called each other darling, I would be like, "Oh, what are you doing? That <laughs> feels really weird. That's way too romantic for family." So, darling is. A I'm thing. gonna text my brother um, and say, "How are you, darling?" And see how oh, he responds. But he would love that. In fact, even just you saying that, I've got a real thing mm-hmm. with. Um, What's it called? Like, not pet names, but, like, uh, terms of endearment. If someone's like, oh, hello, darling, or hi, little chicken, or hello, love, I instantly, my heart goes bling. And even just you saying, I'm going to text my brother and say, hey, darling, blah, 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 I was like, ah, oh, lovely. There we go. The text has been sent. Hopefully, <gasps> by the time we finish recording, Research. there will be a response and see if, if, if. My brother finds it weird. Keep us updated. <laughs> if he just sends back like a gif being like, wow. Lol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, no. It, 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 
it really is worth pointing out that different parts of the UK, like different terms of endearment, <gasps> sort of mean different yes. things. Like even in Sheffield, people like duck was a term. Yeah, of I, I would say duck. Um, I was talking about this again at the nail salon today mm. uh, because oh. she, uh, the the lady who does the nails, um, I think she's Vietnamese, and she was saying that um, uh, a, a client had taught her the word knob. And that um, he could use the word knob as a as a term of affection to someone. No! And so have been calling clients saying, Oh, you're such a knob or something like that until <gasps> someone explained it. And then I, I said to her about well in Cumbria, uh you could say, All right, cock and that would be uh Yeah, cocker, isn't it? Or yeah. is it cock? Cock cock or cocker. Cocker, yeah. Uh, and that was a term what? Yeah. I heard this. Going up in Cumbria, it was mad. Oh, no, I, I had a friend who was from Cumbria and said, yeah, we call each other mm. cock. I think Lancashire um, as well, they'd say, all right, cocker. Yeah, they would actually, mm. that's true. Um, and it must be a different part of there Cumbria. There you go. And uh, <laughs> I, I said, but yes, in general conversation. <gasps> oh, that's so naughty to tell people you can call them not right, as a term of endearment. Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> cheeky? Well, it's not a lie because close friends, uh, certain banter, like you would. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we spent a lot on terms of redeeming. Anyway, we find it like it was very deliberately read, written to the yeah, scene. Yeah, I feel like maybe it was exactly. pushed just a little bit to too far. So we go back yeah. to the vicarage then, and mm. Alice is still calling for Mr. Thomas. <laughs> so sad. Geraldine mm. is covered in mud from head to toe and just. Pushes Alice out the door and uh, comes into her living room and says something about when all else fails and reaches for the copy of the Holy Bible, oh. takes it out to open it and we think read a passage and actually it turns out it's full of chocolate and uh, yeah. she has a nibble and we feel sad for her. Yeah. The same Bible that you have. Yeah, I do have a Bible with a hole in it. I think there's something about that, just mm. linking that scene to the puddle scene. She, The music is like, duh, 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 and she arises from the puddle and looks evil. And then she just seems to breathe out and it's just sadness. And I think that's yeah. echoed here. It's not anger anymore. It's not yeah. jealousy. It's not confusion. It's just, oh, God. It's happened again. Yeah. She's We've just all, resigned. We all get. We're all yeah. there with you, Jerry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she runs into Harry and Rosie outside the vicarage. Harry is really excited to introduce Rosie yes. to Geraldine. Mm. So there's a certain tragic reading of Harry just hasn't picked up on how other people are interpreting yeah. everything that's going on. His relationship with Rosie and, and how Geraldine is interpreting. He's just really excited to introduce his sister to yeah. Geraldine. Yeah, and they... She, Geraldine is very gracious at the scene is very kind mm. and, and says yeah, nice things and then makes this t- uh, says this line about oh I do mm. cut price weddings for people who are nice about me and funerals mm. and uh, uh, Harry laughs at this and says oh she's really funny and there's a line here that she says something along the lines of oh uh, yes that's me I'm funny 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 there's no need to be attractive when, when you're, you're as hilarious, hilarious as I am, I am all the mm. And that's a line that I felt described me for a very long time. I still do sometimes, actually, yeah. of thinking, do you know what? I'm not that attractive, but I, I can make people laugh. And maybe that's what my role is to be. Mate, and- you're hella banging. 
<laughs> so, and you're absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so I I empathise massively with Geraldine this scene mm. uh, when I first watched it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we then have a dream <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Just again, this is now a callback to the David Horson romance. Uh, yes. Um, sure. Well, we now have a dream sequence of a wedding. This time it is. Um, Harry and Rosie's um, dream wedding, and um, some strange vicar who is not Geraldine is taking a taking the dream wedding, the wedding yeah. in the in the church. Um, and Geraldine um, stands up and lip syncs to a song where she's singing "It Should Have Been Me," which is very very um, Dawn French. If you don't know, is a comedy duo, French and Saunders, with Jennifer Saunders. And one of the things that they did on a little bit of French and Saunders was um, lip syncing to various songs in a comedic yeah, fashion. Yeah, it's fabulous. And uh, there's a line about him coming around and gave gave you a smile. And at this point, mm. Geraldine looks daggers and Alice just gives him the finger. It's very, very funny. Mm. And she ends up punching them. Mm. And there's a whole dance sequence with the boys as well in their kind of coordinated <laughs> waistcoats. And, and it's, yeah, yeah just brilliant. And uh, from the stream sequence, we head back to the parish council and they're going through the paper and Geraldine is clearly in a very bad mood and no nonsense. And uh, Hugo's written a hard-hitting headline, which is Dibley villagers dying of rabies. And the entire mm. article is just the word no. Nope. <laughs> nope. Owen nope. has taken some absolutely appalling pictures of uh, topless ladies creating a page three girl, which they do still exist, which is very sad, but I think they at least have bras on sometimes. Um, we don't uh, get to see the photos, just to add. No. And for those of you who don't, don't know what a page three yeah. girl is, in, in certain tabloid newspapers, very commonly, at least 10, 20 years ago, on page three, that was where you would get your nudie photo. Exactly. Um, and uh, Owen has taken pictures of... A few different relatives getting older and older, and they are very disturbing photos. So we move on from that to hear about Agony Aunt mm. and uh, Jim. And uh, Jim uh, has uh, an inappropriate letter that can't be printed because it's, well, it's inappropriate. It's, it's Owen. Owen. It's Owen. Let's it's, just leave it like Owen. that. But um, he's had a different and letter, then he hasn't he, that's arrived yeah. from a lady who... Mm. Uh, who's written a letter saying she's in love with someone, but it turns out he's no longer in love with her, and what is she to do about it? And it's clear from the way that Geraldine acts that she accidentally mm. wrote... Well, no, she wrote this letter to Jim whilst very drunk the night before. Mm. Yes, and David has some very beautiful words. David clocks immediately that it is her letter and her anxieties about Harry where they all have seen Harry swanning about the village with this beautiful young woman after having spent lots of time with their vicar. Um, and he essentially says, don't do anything. Like, don't confront him. Just, you know, if it's meant to be, he will pursue yeah. you. And if not, he's not worthy of you. Yeah. Um, and it's better for you to be alone than with the wrong man. Mm. And there's just this beautiful words from David Horton. Yeah. Again, I think picking up on the conversation that he and Geraldine had had when they very almost got, got engaged and married of, you know, 
he he wasn't the right man for her and he's not saying this in a bitter way but actually a recognition that she shouldn't force herself into a relationship with someone who's not right yeah, for her exactly and she carries on this conversation with Alice back at the vicarage and says that she's back on the shelf and and Alice says that's not so bad I was left on a shelf once and it was okay and but Alice comforts her well attempts to comfort her by saying actually she's married in a different way she's married to the village and to her job and and mm. her, the role and and all this different kind of stuff which partly encourages Geraldine but I think it also still hurts but and so Alice goes and is, is left because Geraldine doesn't really fancy chatting. But then there's another knock at the door and we get a call back once again to an occasion with Tristan where we remember him appearing and asking Geraldine to marry him. And uh, it turns out not quite the way they expected, mm. but Harry's there at the door and comes in and asks. He wondered if uh, uh, she might marry him. And so she naturally makes the assumption that it's like Tristan and she just wants, mm. he wants her to be the vicar for the occasion and so immediately goes, right, let's get some admin done then. Uh, do you want to get married at Christmas? It's mm. always quite romantic and and great. Well, let's do some paperwork and write down for the band's marriage and all this kind of thing. And eventually she clocks that actually he is asking to marry Geraldine. No. Not her Such to be a happy vicar. moment. Um, and the way that this is done, I just I just love it, where she's in this moment of pessimism saying, okay, well, these are the dates that I'm available, and he's bewildered. Um, and she says, okay, what's your full name? And she makes a joke about his middle name. Um, and then she says, oh, well, I hope your bride's full name is, is, isn't unfortunate. And he says, well, I don't, I don't know her yeah. full name. And, and she says, well, what's her name? He says, well, Geraldine. <laughs> Great, yeah. <laughs> and that moment of realization—it's beautiful. I am um, at this point. I was making such happy noises that my little dog Millie perked up and jumped Aww. up, and, uh, and uh, I picked her up and I danced with her. Aww. It's, it's so lovely, isn't it? So and much. she is absolutely thrilled and over the moon, runs over, mm. and it's revealed that actually Rosie is the sister, and they've been mm. chatting together, trying to work out if this is too soon or too rash and everything. But actually, he's decided he must follow his heart. And of course, she makes the noise of blah, 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 like mm. just as she teased. Yeah, and then lovely. she runs off. She runs to Rosie and gives her a big snog on the face as a thank you. She runs into the church and rings the church bell. Yeah. She's so excited, and then runs back in and just to clarify, you're definitely asking me to marry you. Mm. Har you, Harry, want to marry Geraldine, and it's a yes. And it's he so has perched himself on the kissing. Uh, arm of yeah. the chair so he's ready to be at the correct height for Geraldine and yeah. they have a smooch and she's engaged it's so and good. that's where the episode ends with a teaser for us that the next episode is a wedding yeah. um so before we sort of call everything to a close um our next episode, we're going to be evaluating all of Geraldine's romantic so interests. Excited. So maybe we won't get too much into Harry. Um, except, I mean, I love Harry so much, but I do want to call out that a lot of this episode and his introduction was deliberate comparisons to her previous other romantic interests. And in a, to a certain extent, it feels like Harry is defined by not being 
dispose of a man. Um, but we do have some beautiful hints of him being of a mind with Geraldine, of them having shared interests. Yeah. But is everything moving a bit too I fast? I mean, it is quite fast. <laughs> we don't know mm. the exact period of time. Mm. But uh, I would be... I mean, I was a weeks getting engaged, but uh, it was it was faster mm. than I thought it would have been. Uh, mm. And uh, yes, I was chatting to someone who... Oh, she'll have got married this past weekend uh and she said it was about two months into her relationship she knew this was the person she was going to marry which is a bit of a christian cliche isn't it but there we go um i i would come back at you though about it being his only character trait is that he's not like the other people that she's dated before because i think in my own life when I've seen that someone has a different character trait to someone that I've perhaps dated before or fancied and it's not gone well, going, actually, this person being the opposite of that has been very attractive. But I didn't say that he was, that was his only trait, just that it felt like he was being defined by. Yeah. But we do get glimpses of other, yeah. other parts to him. It, it just... It moves a bit too fast for me, and for me, the key the key defining feature of it moving too fast is she doesn't realise he's proposing to her, yeah. and she also doesn't trust him enough or know him well enough to understand that he isn't dating this other woman. Yes, um, I I think for me that's um, of course people can be um. Very, you know, not saying that it's your fault if you don't know that your partner is cheating on no, you. No, no, no. But um, for her to, if she has that uncertainty, if there is an uncertainty about the definition of their relationship, of, you know, she doesn't even feel like she can be angry at him because she doesn't think they're actually in a relationship should they be getting engaged. I wonder... I think the best part, really, even if we do say, you know, this is a bit quick, is actually Harry has done exactly what the books do and what he initially sort of hinted at, asked of Geraldine when they first Mm. met. Has any handsome stranger ever come around these parts and whipped you Mm. off your feet? Yes, it might be fast. Yes, it might be uh, perhaps out of character for Geraldine to move this quickly. Maybe we didn't see it coming, all of this in just one episode. But ultimately, our girl's got her man. She's been whisked off her feet and Mm. they're running into a future and a wholly happy ending, perhaps. Mm. It's time for a wedding! It is time! In a very Mufasa way, it is time. (laughs) It's so exciting. And I think it's an interesting reflection that this is where the writers of Vicar of Dibley feel Geraldine's story comes to a bit of a close, that she gets her happy ending. And yes, we get the, a few specials afterwards in terms of comic relief, small spe- mini episodes and some lockdown episodes. But in terms of the story that they have to tell for Geraldine, she has her happy ending. Yeah. And it's in Dibley with her handsome stranger. <laughs> um, I think potentially as a female priest watching it for me the story doesn't end there and so that's why I want to see further stories such as well what is the retirement story do they retire to sleepy cottage together Uh um 
like does he actually sell that house or do they hold on to it and then that's their retirement house and they stick in the village together mm. or what does he continue to go away on the weekend to london for work and it, you know there's there's all those stories which i think as a real life vicar you sort of want yeah. to know like how is he as a vicarage husband or as, as a vicarage spouse but which we just never get answered because actually to the average viewer that's they boring don't know. <laughs> <laughs> whereas yeah. actually that's something you had to work out in your life jenny wasn't it because oh yeah you were established mm-hmm. as vicar in the place where you were and had your vicarage and before you got married and uh the yeah the natural assumption is that Chris would come and live with you, but that oh yeah, it could have worked a different way. Yeah, we would have had to live separately, probably, or there'd have been a big fat commute in there. So I can almost guarantee that they, well, we promise that they have a happy ending, don't they? Like you say, the practical details they kind mm. of work themselves out post marriage, but um, but yeah, there is a lot of thinking to be done. But I can almost guarantee, Caitlin, everything you imagine that's good would have happened. Mm. Oh yes, because this is the fairy tale ending, exactly. isn't it? This is the yeah. Geraldine's happy yeah. ending, and um, and it's hopeful. It's and and I think that's something which defines Vicar of Dibley as a whole. Is it's hopeful, yeah. um, it, it's optimistic that there is good in people despite how incredibly wild and wacky they may seem, and there is good and hope in characters who you initially didn't get on with can become your greatest friends and supporters and family and this place where you initially weren't sure whether or not you would be happy can become your home so final question for this episode from the little we know of harry through this episode and, and later on do we think he would make a good vicar's wife vicar's husband yes yes it depends Depends on what your definition of what a good vicar's husband would be. I know it would depend on that. (laughs) He would be a good husband for Geraldine, and that's what's important. However, if your definition of a good vicar's spouse is that they come to church with them and they do lots of churchy activities, I don't think Harry would do that because Harry's not a big believer. Um, But I don't think that should be your definition of what a good... No, but I think he he would be good at the kind of stuff that you would accidentally do even if you weren't involved in church. So if someone knocked at the door, uh, I think even Mm. if it was a slightly odd person, he would be kind and compassionate in in the way that he, you know, compliments Hugo Mm. on his tie and things like that, that Mm. I'm sure he would um, cook dinner on a day that's uh, been stressful. You've got lots of evening meetings and that kind of thing. Harry's Mm. lovely. And and frankly, because he works on the weekend away, in a way that's ideal. He's there to support you during the week, but when you're at your busiest and you just need to get on with stuff, <laughs> Bye. he's not around under your feet. Um, but then also, I think he would be an incredible um, support for Geraldine in terms of being another sane person. Yeah. Who, like when she feels like the world is just nonsense, she's got her th- this anchor of stability i think he would also be an incredibly good boundary keeper because we know geraldine is not good at keeping the vicarage door closed i think he would help sensitively establish some boundaries um for her not like appropriate boundaries not inappropriate boundaries so let's get ready for a wedding We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Vicar's Watch Dibley. 
Thank you to Toby for editing our ramblings. Any views expressed in this podcast are our own and don't necessarily represent those of the Church of England or any other organisations with which we are affiliated. And as always, bless you for listening. Why do accountants make good lovers? Oh, 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 oh no. Is it like because they, is it horribly gross? Like they divide the legs and help you multiply? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> In primary school, there was a the thing like, I'm going to, I'm going to divide your legs. Uh, and, and. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and help you multiply. <laughs> It's the last bit to help you multiply. Oh my goodness. What was what was the actual joke? We're good with figures. <laughs> I think my friend in year five could tell a much raunchier joke about accountants and their lovemaking. Sorry.